This morning we do continue in our how-to series. Um, we've been really in a mini-series, several mini-series called How To, and we've been looking at a number of different things in the Christian life and very practical things that we can put into practice in our lives. Uh, coming in the new year, one of the areas we're going to spend a little bit more time on, a multi-week pieces in this series, is how to grow in relationship with the Holy Spirit. But this morning, I'd like to share with you a message that I've called, How to Trust God in Difficult Situations. And typically what I'll do when I lay out a, a, a series, I'll go through and I'll identify the topics and things that I feel like we need to cover and feel like things that just God's putting on my heart where he's leading us as a church family. And initially when I laid out this Sunday, I had labeled it how to not lose your joy. It was just a topic I felt led to, to talk about. But as I began just to study and pray and read the story, um, my, my studies began to take a very different approach and a very different look. And I was going to focus in on the, the message that the, angel, the, she, the angels brought to the shepherds on when they appear to the shepherds and they say, I bring you good news of great joy for all people. But I began to realize and think about this moment when Jesus was born, when Jesus was born through the Virgin Mary. And while it was a a moment of great joy for the entire world, it was a a moment of great joy for Mary, like any mother giving birth to a child, that there's a moment where the pain turns over to a time of joy and to look at that. But in this moment, thinking about this joy that has been brought to the world through Jesus Christ being born, the Messiah coming, came to just stop and consider that while this moment was a new a point of great joy for many people, for one individual, specifically for Mary, but for Mary and Joseph, that I really believe that they had just traveled through what many could look at as saying was a difficult season, a difficult time in life, and just several things that had happened. So I wanted to take a little bit of time this morning looking specifically at Mary in the Christmas story, and I think there's some things that we can learn from. So let's look together in Luke chapter 1, beginning in verse number 26. It says, in the six months of Elizabeth's pregnancy, God sent the angel Gabriel to Nazareth, a town in Galilee, to a virgin pledged to be married to a man named Joseph, a descendant of David. The virgin's name was Mary. The angel went to her and said, greetings, you who are highly favored. The Lord is with you. Mary was greatly troubled at his words and wondered what kind of greeting this might be. But the angel said to her, do not be afraid, Mary. You have found favor with God. You will conceive and give birth to a son, and you are to call him Jesus. He will be great and will be called the Son of the Most High. The Lord God will give him the throne of his father David, and he will reign over Jacob's descendants forever. His kingdom will never end. How will this be, Mary asked the angel, since I am a virgin? The angel answered, The Holy Spirit will come on you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. So the Holy One to be born will be called the Son of God. Even Elizabeth, your relative, is going to have a child in her old age, and she who is said to be unable to conceive is in her sixth month. For no word of God will ever fail. I am the Lord's servant, Mary answered. May your word be to me. May may your word be fulfilled. Then the angel left her. Now, if you're new to the State College Assembly family, especially during the, during the Christmas season, one of the things that I'll repeatedly tell our church family and encourage them to do is to find the Christmas story. It's one of the stories that you've heard probably hundreds of times. You've been around church, but just around the Christmas season, you hear the Christmas story, you see the details of the Christmas story. So what I often encourage individuals to do is to pull out a different translation of Scripture, to find something that you're not familiar with. You can look on version. There's multiple translations there. But to read the Christmas story from a very different translation than what you're used to, and it becomes a very different lens that we'll read the story through. 
Because many times what we'll do when we read a story, the more we read it, the more we become familiar with it, is our, our minds tend to quickly f- glaze over details that we would, uh, maybe the first time we've read it, it would stand out to us in a way that it doesn't stand out anymore. Um, details or things, perhaps even the way words are translated, they'll stand out in a different way that will speak to us. And I believe that God will use those avenues and those ways to speak to us. So I would encourage you, pull out a different translation if you haven't already done so. And just begin to read the Christmas story in a different translation and let God use it to speak to you. And one of the things that, as I've done that and looking at this, this story, um, there's a couple of things about the story of Mary that have stood out to me in perhaps a new way, in a new light. And I just want to share them with you this morning. But looking at, when we look in the gospel uh, story, one of the things that we can't forget is that the, the narrative is moving very fast. Sometimes we, we think about it being one day and the next day and the next day and we think about those details, but we can't forget that the narrative, the, the gospel narrative, the biblical narrative is moving very fast. If you look ahead in just Luke chapter 2, in verse 40 through to 41, if you have your Bible in front of you, between verses 40 and 41, just two verses, you have two verses that shift, you have a 12-year span that passes. So it happens very fast, very fast things taking place. When we look at Luke chapter 1, just what we've just read and up to the end of the chapter, in just a a matter of a few verses, we're going to have several months pass by. And oftentimes when we read the story, we read the story specifically of Mary, we'll have this pristine image in our mind of Mary and the pregnancy and all the things that took place around the birth of Christ in that moment. But what I want to remind you of this morning when we talk about Mary, specifically talking about trusting God in difficult places and difficult situations in life, is imagine Mary as a young teenager with her dreams, her fiancé, the dreams of being married, the life they're going to have, where they're going to live, the things that are going to take place in their life, and all of these dreams that, that she has and that she's willing to set aside to be a part of God's plan unfolding through her, not just for her life, but for all humanity. And to think about just the difficulty that I believe that that would bring into, I believe, an average teenager, an average bride getting ready to get married and coming up to getting close to her wedding day, then all of a sudden being told, well, we're going to set those plans aside and we're going to go with a plan B. I mean, to think about the stress, the challenges, all those things that would come. And I believe that Mary is not exempt from those type of things. And so I want to look at her life and three things specifically that I believe we can glean from in our own lives when it comes to difficult situations and things that you might find yourself in. And you're here this morning, and if you're in a difficult place and a difficult season, a challenge you've been facing, then I believe this is for you. If you're here this morning and you're not in a difficult season, then just wait five minutes. Or wait 10 minutes, wait till the week's over, because we've found that with life, there will always be challenges, there will always be difficulties, there will always be things that come, and it really is, Jesus tells us in John 15, it's part of the Christian life, there's always difficulties and challenges that come, but God can use them in a redemptive way in each of our lives. So first thing to give you when we look at the story of Mary in Luke chapter 1, I believe the first thing that we can do with with learning to trust God through difficult seasons is to learn to view your difficulty as a blessing. Learn to view your difficulty as a blessing. Now, I don't know about you, but when something difficult comes my way, when I have a difficulty that comes into my life, there's a reason I call it a difficulty, because it's difficult. 
Because it's not something I was looking forward to, not necessarily something I was planning for. So to say to look at, to view your difficulties as a blessing is really, I believe, a major shift for many of us. When you look at the story, one of the things that I've done, and I, I've pointed this, this specific part of the story out to, to our church family before, but it has stood out to me in light of this uh, in, in recent weeks. But look in uh, verse 28 and 29. It says, The angel went to her and said, Greetings, you who are highly favored. The Lord is with you. Mary was greatly troubled at his words and wondered what kind of greeting this might be. When the angel comes to Mary, we have this, this grand saying. It says, greetings to you who are highly favored. The Lord is with you. But really, the real translation says the angel really comes and says, hello. He, says, he stops into her world, intersects with her life, and says, hello. I've got a message from God for your life. And then he be, in that moment, when the angel comes in, it says that Mary was greatly troubled at his words and wondered what kind of greeting this might be. What I had done, and this is the part I've shared with you in the past, this specific translation difference, is that I pulled out one translation a few years ago on this story, and I don't even remember which one it was, but as I looked at it, the words that Mary was greatly troubled were translated in a different way, and it said she was irritated. I was like, well, that has to be wrong. Again, Mary's, the angel appears, you have this angel appear from heaven, and then Mary's, Mary's irritated at this angel. So I just began to look and began to dig and say, what is, this, what is this word being used? And the word that's actually used when it talks about this, the angel appearing to Mary, is it says that she was agitated. The, the actual translation says that Mary was agitated. And just think about it for a moment. Again, she's going about, she's minding her own business. She's doing her thing. She's making her plans for weddings, all the, everything that would go into that day. And all of a sudden, the angel appears and brings this divine message and, and really changes her whole outlook on what life will be about. And it says she's, she's agitated. And the word that's used, that word agitated, is much like when you load your, dish, your washing machine full of clothes and you turn it on, that it starts going and then it has that spin cycle, the agitation cycle. It starts turning and churning and churning and churning and churning and churning. Now, ours in our house, our washing machine, um, the last couple of weeks has begun to make a very interesting noise. And I went underneath it, pulled it open and looked underneath it and, and there's a belt that runs around it, connects the motor to the, to the actual um, tub of the washing machine itself and that belt had begun to slide up off of the pulley and was rubbing up against the metal. So when you turn the agitation cycle, it begins to make a loud whine that goes all through the house. Then you can be in the basement, you can be upstairs, you can be on the main level, and you begin to hear this whining that's coming out of our washing machine. Just this the squealing, the screeching, this noise. Now, I've ordered the belt. I can fix it. It's on my list of things to do this week, but it's making this noise. So if you came over this afternoon and we had a load of laundry walk running, if we opened the door, you'd be like, you got the laundry running, don't you? Because you could just hear it through the house. And I look at the story of Mary, and it talks about this divine plan that's come into her life and how the angel has brought this message, that there's this, the message that comes and it says she was agitated by it, as I often look at our own lives, that when difficulties come, when challenges come our way, when circumstances come our way, and those things come that begin to agitate, begin to turn, begin to churn in our lives, do we become like the washing machine in, in my house? That there's a whining that begins to come out. There's a complaining. There's a frustration that begins to come out. There's this sound that begins to come out. Or do we begin to, as we see in the story with Mary, we begin to recognize that there's a blessing in the midst of this. 
It doesn't matter how difficult it's going to be. It doesn't matter how hard it's going to be. There's still something that God can do in a redemptive way through this circumstance and through this difficulty that's coming into our lives. I think oftentimes when it comes to the difficulties that come in our lives and the blessings that come into our lives that God can use, that many times the blessings that God brings into your life and he brings into my life and he brings into our families, that those, those blessings often come wrapped in packages that we don't like. They come with gift wrapping on it that we don't necessarily like. And many times those blessings come with the wrapping of difficulty, with the wrapping of pain, the wrapping of challenges, the wrapping of unexpected things taking place in our lives, and we keep declining the gift that's being given because we're saying, God, I don't like the way this is coming. I don't like how this looks. I don't like how this makes me feel. We begin to have that whine when the agitation begins to come in life, and we begin to say, God, I don't want this. But if we would take time to receive and recognize in the midst of whatever it is that we're going, God, never, there's not a time or a moment or a circumstance in our life that God ever wastes a trial. There's never a moment in your life where God ever wastes a difficulty. I'm not saying he causes it. I'm not saying he's the author of it. But I am telling you that God and his redemptive purpose can take every one of your pains, every one of your difficulties, every one of your disappointments, and he can redeem them to bring a blessing about in your life that you can't even begin to picture. But when we pick up that gift that's wrapped in the way we don't like it, and we look at how it's wrapped, we look at the difficulty, we look at the challenge, we look at the hardship, we look at however it's, it's, it's come to us, we look at it and we just keep sending it back down saying, well, God, I'm not really into this one. I'm not really liking this one. But in the midst of it, realizing that God is bringing blessing into our lives in the midst of difficulty, in the midst of the things that could be frustrating us. So many times I think as believers... We look at, especially from our, our culture and our mindset that as many Americans have been trained with, is that many times we go through life and we look at the hardship that comes our way and we have the propensity to put it into one of two camps. Either we look at difficulty in our lives and we say, well, this, God is using this to close the door in my life. Or we look at the difficulty that comes in our lives and we begin to give devil, the devil credit. And we say, well, that's just the devil. I'm just going to rebuke it and go forward. And there is, there's evidence in the book of Acts for both of those, that God uses difficulties at times to close the doors in people's lives. In Acts 16, there's a time where the Apostle Paul is traveling with his companions, and as he's traveling, he recognizes God's closing doors for him. We don't know exactly what it is, but we know God did something to get his attention. Then there's other times where we see that the, the devil comes, and he tries to thwart the plans of God, the way that, that the disciples are moving forward, and so he brings difficulty in their lives. And so there's discernment in recognizing that. But I really think that for a Christian here, if you're a follower of Jesus Christ this morning, if you go through life looking at difficult circumstances and looking at challenges in your life, and you go through your entire life putting difficulties in one of those two categories, then I believe that you're positioning yourself to miss out on something that God wants to do in your life. We cannot go through life placing difficulties that come our way and circum challenges that come our way and putting them either as when a difficulty comes that God is blocking the door or when a difficulty comes that the enemy is standing in our way. And again, there's evidence for both, but we can't go through all of life looking at it that way. In fact, I've talked to believers who on the front end of something, they'll make a decision in life. They'll make a choice in life and they'll begin to go and begin to live out that choice. And, and, and at the beginning, when I talk with them, there's just this, this gusto and zeal and this excitement about what God's doing in their lives. God's given us this opportunity. We're doing this. We're going forward in it. 
And then midway through, or a few months later perhaps, or a year later, I'll talk with him, I'll cross paths with him again, and I'll say, I remember that decision you made, that so-and-so when you were doing this, and how did, how did that turn out? And they said, well, we got so many months into it, and then it just, it became hard, became difficult, and we started realizing maybe this isn't what God called us to. And they began to change their plans or modify their plans. But we can't go through life thinking that every single difficulty or every single challenge that comes our way is either God telling us no or the enemy trying to stop us. Because I believe that there's a third option that God can use in the midst of difficult circumstances and challenges that come our way. And I believe that that third option is that God can take a difficult circumstance you're in. He can take a challenging circumstance, a challenging place, a situation that you're in, and he can use it as an avenue to bring blessing into your life. That as we continue to say yes and continue to go forward and continue to trust God in the midst of everything. I was having a conversation with um, someone not too long ago, and we were just talking about a, a challenging thing, a difficult thing we were walking through, and the individual had said to me, the individual said, well, it's going to be difficult. I don't, we're just not going to do this thing. And I looked at this individual and I said, we, I will never let, di- let difficulty be directional in my life. I will never allow a difficult situation to chart the direction in my life. And we have to be determined to do that, to say, God, I'm not going to allow a difficult circumstance to chart the direction in my life. I'm not going to allow the difficult circumstance to chart the decisions I make in life because I know who you are in spite of it. I know that in spite of what I may be going through, I know that in spite of the challenges I may face, that God, you're still faithful. And God, I can still trust you in it. And while going forward saying yes and following God in in the midst of difficult circumstances can be hard, in the midst of it, that God can do some of his greatest work as we continue to trust in him, we continue to look to him, we continue to know that he's faithful in all things. And I really believe that the very avenue of difficulty can become the very avenue of blessing that God wants to bring into our lives as we trust him in the middle of it. So number one, view your difficulty as a blessing. I think the second thing that you and I can learn from Mary as we look at the story of Mary in the, the Christmas story is we can learn to look for what God develops in us through it. Look for what God is developing in our lives through the difficult circumstance that you might be facing. Look for what God's developing in you through it. One of the things, I've noticed a, a, a trend in Scripture. When I read through my Bible, when I read in the Old Testament and the New Testament both, I've noticed an interesting trend, and it doesn't matter if it's Moses with the Israelites standing at the Red Sea and an enemy coming against them and not really having any direction, wondering where to go. It doesn't matter if it's Jesus standing outside a tomb of a man who died three days ago by the name of Lazarus, and he's, he's there and the man is dead in the tomb. It doesn't matter if it's a widow with her son walking through the town and Jesus stops the funeral procession. It doesn't matter if it's, a, if it's a wedding and they've run out of drink and all they have is water that's left. It doesn't matter every single problem and every single circumstance in Scripture, the, the connecting thread in all of them is that every single, every single miracle always starts with a problem. Think about that. Every single miracle in the Bible starts with a problem. I think I would go so far as to say every single miracle in the Bible requires a problem. So if you have a problem in your life today, if you have a difficult circumstance in your life today, while it may be difficult, not only do you have the problem, you have the potential for a miracle. Just to think about that. 
Think about the thing you've been looking at in your life and the difficulty you've been facing, the thing that's been draining your joy, the thing that's been a challenge, that while it's difficult, you carry the potential for a miracle. So the miracle is, is a supernatural moment when, the, when God in his supernatural power steps over the natural boundaries and begins to provide or meet or heal in a supernatural way. That's why it's called a miracle. And so when we're going through difficult circumstances, one of the best things that I believe that you and I can do is we can look for what it is that God is doing inside of us in the midst of it. Because I believe some of the greatest miracles that God can work are not the physical ones that we see, but rather the things that shift and change inside our lives. You may remember during our series leading up to Thanksgiving, we were talking about just the challenges of coming together with family and allowing God's grace to flow through us and just allowing our lives to, to be a better picture of Jesus to those around us. And one of the things that I talked about, I think it was in the second one of that series, one of the things that I talked about was that you'll find whatever you're looking for. That you'll always find whatever you're looking for. You can do that with people. You can do that with circumstances. You can do that with your workplace. You'll always find what you're looking for. If you're looking for the faults, you'll find it. If you're looking for the good, you'll find it. If you're looking for the bad, you'll find it. You'll always find what you're looking for. And the same is true with God, is that if we want to see what God's not doing, if that's all we're looking for, then you'll certainly see it. But if you're willing to look for what it is that God's doing, you'll always see that too. And one of the things that I've found is that for many believers, many individuals are just a perspective shift away from an entirely different lifestyle. That we, we live with a perspective of, well, well, God, you're not changing this thing. God, you're not changing the circumstance. You're not changing what I'm walking through. In the midst of it, if we'll shift and say, well, God, thank you for the way that you're with me in the midst of this. Thank you for the way that you're giving me peace in the midst of whatever is not changing. Thank you for the way that you're seeing me through whatever it is that we're facing. A willingness to shift our perspective from what's not happening to what God is doing and the way he's being faithful even inside of our lives and the, who he's changing us and molding us to be. That we should learn to look for what it is that God's developing inside of us. And I want you to see this with Mary. When it comes to Mary and the challenges she was facing... In the moment with the angel that he came there, he didn't point Mary to some grand financial plan. He didn't point Mary to the expertise, uh, expert carpenter that she was getting ready to build. He didn't point Mary to all these external things that were going to change. What he did give her in verse 35 was the promise of his sustaining presence. Verse 35, the angel answered, the Holy Spirit will come on you and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. So the Holy One to be born will be called the Son of God is that he, the angel did not point Mary to some outward solution and some outward answer to find, but rather reminded her that the one who was giving her the promise was going to be with her and sustain her throughout it. In fact, it's the second time in the story where she's been told that the power of the Most High is overshadowing her, that God's favor was resting on her. And if you look in the story in verse 28, when the angel first came, she's minding her own business, doesn't even realize what's happening. The angel comes and says, hey, you're favored by God. You've got the favor of God resting on your life. And in that moment, she was going about her everyday life. She was living with the favor of God and his faithfulness upon her life, but she was just going about her everyday life. And that's a reminder that even when we may not see outward results, God's presence and his sustaining presence and his work is taking place inside of us. And we can always look for what it is that God is doing in us and changing in us in spite of what it is that we might be facing. 
One of the things that, that we will look at when we see in Scripture, and there's multiple places that I can point you to, is that many times, what, well, Jesus said it in John 15. He says, for those who choose to follow Jesus Christ, that part of being in relationship with him, in John 15, he specifically talks about the abiding relationship, this life-giving relationship we're to have with him. Right after he's talking about, if you're familiar with John 15, he's talking about abiding in him and the life that comes from him. Right after that, he begins to talk about the difficulties and the challenges and the hardship that's going to come because your life is associated with him. And so we should go through life expecting and believing that we're going to face difficult circumstances. We're going to face challenging circumstances. We're going to face hard circumstances. Some of them might be of your own choosing. Some might be of people in your life. Some might be because of your faith in Christ. But in all of it, we see that God redemptively uses it to grow and change and develop who we are in spite of what we're going through. I want you to see something. Look in in, uh, 2 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 9. There's several passages that I could really point you to. But just just one to give you. 2 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 9 through 10. The Apostle Paul is just beginning to lay out his journey of where he, things that God's doing, and he's just explaining some of the challenges they face, and he says this in verse 9, talking about him and his companions. He says, indeed, we felt we had received the sentence of death, but this happened that we might not rely on ourselves, but on God who raises the dead. He has delivered us from such deadly peril, and he will deliver us again. On him we have set our hope, and will, that he will continue to deliver us. But look at verse 9. He says, we, we were going through such a hard circumstance that we, we felt like we just had the death sentence just hanging over our lives. That it was so difficult, so challenging. He said it like death was just pressing down on us. He says, but this happened in our lives, and this happened, what we were facing in the circumstances and the difficulties we were facing, he says, this happened so that we would not look to ourselves, but look to God. Later in 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 10, he says, we always carry around in our body the death of Jesus, so that the life of Jesus may also be revealed in our body. He says, we're constantly dealing with difficulty, we're constantly dealing with heartache, we're constantly dealing with hard circumstances, but in the midst of it, it's so that Jesus can be seen. Later in 2 Corinthians chapter 12, verses 9 and 10, he again talks about difficult circumstances he finds himself in, challenging places that he's in, and in the midst of it, he says that God is using it to help him to learn to grow in intimacy and knowing Christ more. One of the things we'll see in Scripture is that God continually uses difficult circumstances to change and grow who we are on the inside to change and grow our faith. In 1 Peter chapter 1, it's talking about our faith, and it says that these hardships come so that our faith is maturing. In James chapter 1, verses 2 through 4, it says, Consider it pure joy whenever you face trials of many kinds, because you know that the testing of your faith develops perseverance, and perseverance must finish its work so that you can be mature and complete, not lacking anything. One of the greatest ways for our faith to grow, according to Scripture, is in hard circumstances. One of the greatest ways your muscles grow is by being challenged. If you go and lay in your bed or sit on your couch all day, you'll find that your muscles are not getting stronger, they're getting weaker. The only way your muscles get stronger is by them being challenged and stretched and facing, trying to lift things and do things that are harder. That's why you see people go to the gym and lift, lift weights, because they're challenging their muscles to get stronger. And this is the same with our faith, that our faith has to be challenged and stretched for it to grow. That's what Scripture says. So we're going to face difficult things, and as we're facing those things, that God will use them to grow our faith, 
to grow your faith, to grow my faith as we continue to look to him through it. So in the midst of it, as we're looking at difficult things and challenging places, one of the greatest things to look at is what is God developing in me? Mary physically had, had the Christ child being, born, being formed in her and, and in this moment of the announcement. She wasn't quite pregnant, but we'll see in just a few moments when she arrives as she goes to visit her cousin that she, somewhere in the time she leaves her house to the time she arrives at her cousin's place that this pregnancy has begun to take place. But God was physically forming something in her. But the same is true in your life and the same is true in my life. Whenever we're going through a hard place, Whenever you're going through a difficult place, there's something God is birthing in you. There's something God is changing you in you. There's something God is, is growing in you. So learn to look for that. Learn to focus on that. Learn to, to really meditate on who he is, what he's doing, and continue to cycle your heart back to who he is and cycle your heart back to the way he continues to be faithful and shaping you in the midst of it. And then thirdly, the last thing that I would give you when it comes to Mary and the story that we're looking at and how to trust God through difficult situations. Number three, determine to keep your heart submitted at all times. Determine to keep your heart submitted at all times. When we look at this story, looking in verse 38, so the angel has just come. He's just told her, he said in verse 37, he says, no word of God will ever fail, or some translations will say that nothing's impossible with God. And then in that moment, in verse 38, this is when Mary opens her mouth after the angel has just given, given this declaration. It's interesting what verse 38 doesn't contain. Verse 38 doesn't contain Mary's number of reasons why it shouldn't be her. It doesn't contain all of the reasons why it should be someone else or all the reasons why she thinks it should be maybe a later time, a different agenda, a different flow. Instead, when she opens her mouth after this divine message has come, she says, I am the Lord's servant, Mary answered, may your word be fulfilled. Then the angel left her. It says she doesn't give a reason. She doesn't say, why not? Why me? All these things. Instead, she says, may it be fulfilled. I'm the Lord's servant. If you have a different translation, it might say, I'm the Lord's slave or I'm the Lord's handmaid. She's identifying and saying, I'm submitted to this. I don't understand all the details. I don't understand why I'm the one going through this. I don't understand why I'm the one that's been picked. But in the end of it, she's saying, God, I'm submitted, so bring it on. I'm submitted to what you're doing, and I know you'll be faithful in the midst of it, so I'm going to trust you throughout it. And as we look at this, I, I find it interesting. If I, was, if I was Mary writing this script and how this story would go, what I probably would do is I would have Mary, Mary would probably write it out, and she would say, well, God's going to give me some sort of word or a quick sign or an impression that I'm, gonna be, that I'm going to conceive and give birth to the Christ child. But then when I go to tell Joseph and I go to tell my parents and I go to tell my relatives and I go to tell my friends, then Gabriel's going to come. I'm going to step back and Gabriel's going to give this big grand announcement and everyone's going to hear and everyone's going to know. So there's absolutely no doubt that it's, this is a God thing, not me making it up. So I would place the angel a little bit later in the script if I was Mary writing the story. You follow me? Instead, Mary gets the angel in private. She gets this private audience with Gabriel. Then he disappears, and then she's left to go flesh it out. She's left to go tell Joseph. Now, at the time, she didn't realize the angel had already prepared Joseph, so that was a blessing. But she had to go tell her parents. She had to go tell her friends. She had to go tell she really all the people in her lives that she had to go tell. And in the midst of all of this, culturally, 
She, so you see, culturally, she was an unwed virgin who was pregnant. Culturally, she was deserving of death. But she kept her heart submitted, and a submitted heart, the best way you can see a submitted heart, it stays faithful. It stays faithful and stays the course even when things are difficult. And so Mary stays faithful, and she continues to, to share, continues to say what it is that God has put in front of her, and she keeps her heart submitted at all times. And so when you look at this, the, the, as the angel has left her in, in verse 38, and she begins to go out, and she begins to carry it out, one of the things that we can make the mistake of, and this is where I think we often will, will miss the, keeping our hearts submitted to God and submitted to how he's guiding us in the midst of difficult things and challenging places we'll find ourselves in, is that sometimes we can read the Christmas story and we can make the mistake specifically in what I've just read and the stories about Joseph is somewhere in this we can make the mistake of thinking that this is a story that's about Mary and Joseph. We can look at the story of Mary and Joseph and we can think, well, it's a story about Mary and Joseph and how God brought Jesus into the world. We can think all of that. But what we can't forget is this is not Mary and Joseph's story. They get to be a part of the story, but this is God's story. This is what he's doing. This is the way he's working. This is how he's revealing himself. This is God's story. And Mary has chosen to keep herself submitted into what it is that God's doing. And I believe one of the greatest ways that we can, we can miss it in having a submitted heart and really miss the track of faithfulness that God wants us to live in and to follow him in the midst of challenging places and difficult things that we might face is that when somewhere in the journey of life, somewhere through the difficulty, we begin to think it's all about us. We begin to think that the, the thing we're going through, it's all about me. It's all about my pain. It's all about my difficulty. It's all about how hard this makes my life feel. But what we can't forget, just like Mary, you and I have the, the opportunity to be a, bar, a part of God's story. We're a part of how he's working in history. If you're a believer here, you're, cho- you're choosing to be a part of how God is working through history. Does that minimize the difficulty you're going through? Absolutely not. But it does keep the perspective in a very different light so that in the midst of it, we can keep our hearts submitted and faithful to God in all things. And I think one of the greatest measures, one of the greatest ways to, to examine from time to time uh, to make sure that we do have a, a faithful heart, we do have a submitted heart to what it is that God's doing as we're going through the challenges in life and the things that would come our way. almost lost my Bible. That would have not been good. But one of the ways that we, could, uh, that we keep our heart submitted is to stop and take time to examine what's the script that your heart is telling yourself? What's the story that you continue to repeat to yourself? When no one's around, what are the things that you continue to rehearse? Is it like, well, this is never changing. I told myself this would happen. Just all those kind of things that we continue to look at. Like, when is this ever going to end? Well, if it's not one more thing. All those things that we continue to tell ourselves in the script we continue to rehearse in our heart. But listen to the, listen to the script that, that Mary has rehearsed. It says, Mary is there. She goes to visit Elizabeth. And then her heart begins to spill over. It says, and Mary said, my soul glorifies the Lord. This is verse 46. And my spirit rejoices in God, my Savior. For he has been mindful of the humble state of his servant. From now on, all generations will call me blessed. For the mighty one has done great things for me. 
Holy is his name. His mercy extends to those who fear him from generation to generation. He has performed mighty deeds with his arm. He has scattered those who are proud and in their inmost thoughts. He has brought down rulers from thrones, but he has lifted up the humble. He has filled the hungry with good things. He has sent the rich away empty. He has helped his servant Israel, remembering to be merciful to Abraham and his descendants forever, just as he promised our ancestors. And then verse 56 says, Mary stayed with Elizabeth for about three months and then returned home. But I love that how she says that, she says that his mercy extends to those who fear him. Verse 53, she says, he fills the hungry with good things. Her life is not consumed with why me. Her, consumed is, her life is consumed with God. You're faithful. God, I don't have to see the answers, but you're faithful. I don't have to know how it looks, but you're faithful. I don't have to know how this shapes out, but I know that you never leave me empty-handed. I know that you never leave me in a place without. I know that in the midst of what I'm going through, God, that you're always there. Then Mary continued to cycle her heart back to the faithfulness of God again and again and again. And throughout the story from this point forward in the Gospels with Mary, whenever she surfaces, many times it seems that whatever is taking place, whether it be through, through Jesus' childhood or, or late in the temple or even later when he's performing miracles, from time to time we get this little picture of Mary and it says, that she took these things and she stored them up in her heart. It's like she saw these moments of not understanding everything, not knowing how all the details would work, but when she would see this glimmer of hope, this glimmer of what God was doing, she would look out and she'd say, I'm hanging on to that as to continuing to remind my heart of God's faithfulness in spite of what it is I may go through or what it is that I've been through. And she would again and again say, I'm, I'm grabbing that promise. I'm grabbing that hope. I'm hanging on to it because I know that God is faithful. So friends, this morning, I'm going to invite you to stand with me. I'd like to end service a little bit different than how we, we often uh, end. Many times we'll open the front as a place to respond, a place of prayer. And then we'll dismiss those who need to slip out. But this morning, talking about trusting God in difficult places and difficult situations, then I realized that in our congregation and just in a room like this, that there are individuals cha- cha- walking through challenging places, dealing with hardship, dealing with things that perhaps things that your script didn't go the way you wanted it to, perhaps seasons of waiting, seasons of challenge. And I'm going to invite our leaders to come to the front. And in just a moment, um, we're going to have others to come, just make a space for you to be able to come and to pray. But if our leaders would come, you and the wives would come, just spread across the front and just to face out this morning. As Pastor Kyle leads in worship, I just want to create space for prayer. If you're here this morning and you'd love to have someone agree with you in prayer, and there is no need that's too great, no need that's too small to have one of them come and and agree with you in prayer. As you come this morning, you may have to wait, and you can wait, and we're going to be here wait as long as it takes to pray with each individual who comes. We just want you to know of God's faithfulness to you in spite of where you may find yourself, his faithfulness to your family in spite of what you may be facing, but to know that in all things that God is faithful and that he's with you and that he's working in you and he's working in your circumstances as we continue to keep our eyes set upon him.